Good morning, and welcome to O Readers Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 21st, 2019. Today we are reading from the big book, Chapter 2, and we're on page 27, the third paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Jackie M., 12 Traditions, Pat M.S. And reading the text are Allison L., Jason K., and Amy G. The reference numbers for Monday, May 20th, 2019, for the 7 a.m. is 12922, that's 12,922. And for the 10 a.m. is 12,923, that's 12923. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jackie M. to read the 12 steps. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Jackie M. recovered in upstate New York. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Jackie. I will now ask Pat M.S. to read the 12 traditions. Okay. Good morning, family. This is Pat M.S., a recovering food addict uh, from Alabama. The 12 traditions, one, 
Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems with money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to be of service in our past. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate it. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that we keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose minds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 27, the third paragraph, going through two paragraphs, starting with the doc, um, he said to the doctor and ending with an alcoholic of your description. And we'll be commenting on both of those paragraphs. And I will now ask Allison L. to begin reading. Good morning, KDF. Thanks for your service. He said to the doctor, is there no exception? Yes, replied the doctor, there is. Exceptions to cases such as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side. 
and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. In fact, I have been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement within you. With many individuals, the methods with which I employed are successful, but I have never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. Start my timer. Good morning, Ms. Allison. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Um, and what um, this paragraph is what the chapter title promises. It's the solution. Um, and we get a little mini description of what that is like. Um, and what I'm seeing this morning um, is that over 40 years before I was born, <laughs> Dr. Carl Jung knew what was going to need to happen within me um, so that I would no longer have to live with this mind, um, the mind that locks me in on food and eating as some kind of relief to living life. Um, when it gets painful, um, even when it's a seemingly beautiful life, my mind, um, you know, just can't recall why I'm dieting or why the pain of picking up certain foods would cause me um, pain again. Um, and so my higher power made sure that this solution wasn't going to just work for someone who had to go see Dr. Young for a year because that's not an option for me or for most people. And so what I'm grateful for um, and seeing is that um, my higher power made it so that this vital spiritual experience that's needed was no longer only going to occur here and there once in a while, but it would be available to all persons and is available to all people who seek relief from their uh, addictions. Um, and so um, God brought together um, the solution for my body's allergic reaction you know, through Dr. Silkworth's recommendation of entire abstinence. And then now this, we're seeing the solution to the obsessive mental condition here. And then um, all the people who came to know these little bits of information, they were joined together by God's guiding force um, in the Oxford group. And there they found the beginnings of the steps as we know them today. Uh, and that proved to be a workable way to produce this needed experience um, that's being talked about um, while someone's entirely abstinent. And so now anyone uh, who takes the simple actions outlined in the textbook we're reading and studying can know the release from the old ideas and attitudes and emotions, and anyone can experience recovery. And that's what I'm experiencing by following these instructions. Um, and so I'm just really grateful to see how it all comes together and, and to me, it's divinely inspired. It's not accident that all these bits of information to save me came together at the um, at the time that it did and, and the way it did. So um, doing it again today with all of you so that I can experience the miracle. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Allison. Okay, so if you just joined us, we are on page 27, the third paragraph, he said to the doctor, reading through the next paragraph as well, and we're going to comment on both of those paragraphs. Who would like to share? Harlan G. Mary C. Katie G. From Boston. Elise N. Elise N. Katie G. From Boston. I got you, Katie. I got sorry. Elise N. Elise N. Elise N. I got you. Nancy P. Lauren, Anita, and I'm sorry, Anita Nancy B? P. Yes. And Nancy P. Okay, let's stop there. Sorry, I didn't mean to yell. I felt like everybody was yelling at me, so I yelled back. Okay, Harlan G, Kim G, Katie G, Elise N, Anita, I think B, and Nancy, was 
Nancy P or Nancy L? Nancy, Nancy, you know Nancy P. Okay, thank you. Okay, Harlan G., please get us started. Thank you very much, Katie, and thanks for your service, and thanks to Team Tuesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is the flashpoint. This is where step two comes into the program. Dr. Jung is who Roland got to. Now, is it odd or is it God? If Roland had got to Sigmund Freud or Adler, Freud and Adler believed that all solution lie within the mind, in the cerebral. Jung broke rank with them in one area and one area only, and this is specifically and precisely the area that he breaks rank with them. He believed, and he's gonna, it's going to quote here, here and there once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. Why did he call it a phenomena? He called it a phenomena because he really didn't quite understand it himself. And so he's going to tell Roland what he, wa- what he thinks, and let's take a look at how many times he's going to refer to the concept of change. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements, change, and rearrangements, change. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side, change, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begins to dominate them, change. In fact, I have been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement, change, within you, With many individuals, the methods which I employed are successful, but I have never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. Now, what's going to happen very quickly is Freud, excuse me, Jung is going to lose sight of Roland. Roland is going to go back to the States, and he is going to contact the Oxford Group in New York City, and he is going to carry the message through the Oxford Group to Ebby Thatcher, Ebby is going to carry the message of the recovery to Bill Wilson. Now, Roland and Ebby and Seber Graves Jr. and even Dr. Jung do not know the problem. They don't know about the physical allergy. They don't know about the twist of the mind and the mental blank spot. They are going to only set in motion... Ebby Thatcher, and Ebby's going to bring the message to Bill. Bill is going to bring it to the world. In 1960, Bill will reach out to Dr. Jung. I'm out of time. I've got to make this quick. Uh, he'll reach out to Jung and explain to Jung that he set in motion the man, Roland, who brought the message to the man, Ebby, who brought the message to the man who brought it to the world. If that's hard to follow, listen again. I'm sorry because I'm out of time. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, Kim G., you're up, followed by Katie G. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. And, you know, I just love how Bill knows the alcoholic mind, that we need to hear things over and over and over in order to internalize them. So to me, this paragraph is just a reiteration of page 25. You know, page 25, we learn what the solution is. 
is the self-searching, step four, the leveling of our pride, five, six, and seven, and the confession of shortcomings, which is eight and nine. It's that inventory process. So we see in this paragraph that ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side. So how does that happen through that inventory process? So in steps four and five, we look at our resentments, we look at our fears, we look at our sex conduct, and those get cast to one side. In steps six and seven, we get to look at our character defects that were selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, frightened, inconsiderate, and those get cast to one side. And then in eight and nine, we, we, get, we look at our guilt, shame, and remorse of how we treat other people, and by making our amends, those get cast to one side. And when that happens, a new, completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to emerge. That's where that higher power is emerging because we've cleared away the debris that blocks us from that higher power. But I have to tell you, that's not enough. Four through nine is a skill set. And if I don't implement that skill set in 1011, all that sludge is going to come back. So I'm thinking about, once again, how this is reiterated over and over again. In the spiritual experience, in the appendix, it says the term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself in many different forms. So this process will bring about a spiritual awakening. It's not going to maintain a spiritual awakening. We're also warned of that, about that on page 85 where it says in step, as we're entering step 10, our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. I have to continue to grow, which means these steps can't be something that I'm done with and don't practice again. And I'm just going to end with this. I we often hear about the you know, idea of living life on life's terms. Well, I think what my, my feeling is life's terms are power, property, and prestige. That's exactly what Roland's trying to do. He's trying to employ willpower and self-determination. I don't live life on life's terms. What I do is I live life on God's terms. And the way I do that is to practice these principles. I get to take these, these sludges in my life and clear them out through this inventory process. And in 10-11, I get to invite God in to how I can be. And I'll tell you, what that allows me to do is to live happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Okay, Katie G, you're up, followed by Elise N. Good morning, Katie. Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. Um, you know, this word vital, spiritual experience, so vital, so someone on this line taught me my vital signs are the things that when I'm hospitalized, they want to see if I'm alive, right? Is my heart bumping? Is my heart doesn't bump? <laughs> Is my heart pumping or whatever it does? Um, you know, they, they check my oxygen levels, all of that. So they're telling me, as a compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic of the hopeless variety, what is going to give me life today is a spiritual experience. And it's not just, it's not going to church or, or temple or anything. And those are magical, wonderful, miracle-filled places. But it's telling me that in order to change and, again, displace, rearrange, cast to one side, like if you're not getting it, there's one thing that we need to change, and that's everything inside of me, KDG, everything inside of me. Um, 
that's blocking the sludge that's, that, that, get, that gives me God, right? Because, um, you know, my compulsive overeating, the food was just that first block, right? But the food was, was not the chronic, um, you know, selfishness, self-centeredness. So me, when I came into these rooms, I cared more about myself. I wanted the food. I wanted to feel good all the time. I wanted my stuff. And if you got in my way, I was going to plow you down, Right, and today I have vital life-giving spiritual experiences as I continue to grow in, in understanding and effectiveness with my commitment to the work. Let me share a, a, a vital spiritual experience that happened in my life the other day was sitting there having feeling heat in my body that only comes with that resentment where you're physically disturbed and then having my husband say to me, this is what I'm experiencing. And I sat there, I listened, and I said, you're right. I mean, that's a, for me, and if that, I know that sounds really small, but look, I wasn't jumping down his throat telling him he's wrong. I listened, and yeah, maybe one day when I'm perfect, I will not have people telling me what it's like to be in a relationship with me and have it not always be pumpkins and roses. But the fact that I could sit there and not fight back, why? Because I have a God inside of me today. And this God, when I'm unblocked, allows me to practice the willingness to bear discomfort, whether it be medical trauma, whether it be financial fears, whether it be, you know, relationship with others. I mean, the, the spiritual experience that I don't turn to food, as one of our friends says, I don't suffer from anorexia and bulimia. I don't suffer from needing to, to starve myself today. I do not suffer. And I walk through life feeling like I am not alone. And I'll just wrap up with this. I wake up in the morning and I have a purpose to get to God and to help others and to carry the message that I've had a spiritual awakening and so can you as the result of these steps, entire abstinence and the result of these steps. It is a privilege to, to be with all of you shoulder to shoulder for another 24 hours. With that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Elise Ann followed by Anita. Elise, star one to unmute. Hi, this is Elise. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Good morning, everybody. Um, I really enjoyed listening to this paragraph, and uh, I'm in field of social work, so I work with a lot of people. Um, and, you know, not only sponsoring in this program, because I'm recovered now in this program, but I work with a lot of people that come in with a lot of problems and they want to talk to me. And a lot of times people are walking in with an addiction problem. And a lot of times it's to food because other addiction problems people will recognize right away and they, you know, they, they get help for. Um, but people will walk in and they'll tell me, I, you know, I'm depressed, I can't stop eating and you know, and they want to talk through whatever the problem is in order to get them to stop eating and to lose weight and what have you. And I'm the first one to admit, if I hear, if I ask the questions, and I do, I'll do the survey, you know, am I a compulsive eater? I'll ask them the questions. And if I hear everybody, a person who's answering yes to all those questions, and they appear to be one of us, I'm the first one to refer them to OA because I know that for me, OA is the only answer for um, an addict of my, you know, my description. I'm not just a hard 
eater, hard drinker. I'm, I'm the equivalent of an alcoholic. And if the person is that, then there's no therapy in the world that's going to help them to stop eating. Uh, and I, I recognize that. And I, I think that anybody who's in any of the helping professions that has the humility to admit that and and to admit that basically admit that they're not God, they can't wave a magic wand and cure somebody. It is doing the people they serve a very big service. Um, and what I found with people is the more that they know, the more that they know they don't know. And that's that's how I feel when I sponsor someone. I I've been asked why. You know how how do you sponsor? How do you know? How did you know you could sponsor? So I'm really pretty. I'm in this program 30 years, but I just went through the steps again, and I'm only eight and a half months. You know, with my food down and and having worked the steps, and I sponsor with confidence because if I have a question, I can go to my sponsor and she can go to her sponsor and. And I do things by committee. I do things because I, I ask if I don't know the answer to something, you know, I take it to my higher power and I, and I listen to the messengers that my higher power has given me, um, you know, and my, my sponsor in this program Bye. and another fellowship. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Elise. Okay, Anita, it's your turn, followed by Nancy P. Oh, thank you. I need to be here from uh, New Jersey. And, uh, you know, I have to steal some sayings, but is it odd or is it God that this was the reading this morning? Because uh, when someone went through this paragraph with me, they did that exact thing, you know, they changed all those words, occurrences, phenomena, rearrangements, displacement, dominate, uh, to change, to change. And um, I am learning that I have to change. I have to change everything about me, right? And I always say God's so gentle with me because he helps me to do it in a gentle, soft way. Um, I'm changing today. I'm changing today. I have a huge, and, and it isn't even that huge, truly. If I think about it, it's not that huge because I have a program and I have God. And um I, I'm experiencing something at work that I've never had to experience before, and that's only because I'm changing. So today, I got the spiritual experience of being calm and confident that God is going to teach me, change me, show me what I need to do today. To change because um, you know that's what this program does uh, and like I said so gently and so you know I can't even believe myself that I am okay with what's going to happen today because I fought it for the last I don't know eight days I was in turmoil and today I don't have to be so I just want to say how grateful I am for everyone who shared, how grateful I am to the people who teach me what's in this book, and how grateful I am that I have God today. I I, I am just so grateful. Um, so, and I'm grateful.
grateful for being grateful. So thanks so much for being there, and thanks so much for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you, Anita. Okay, Nancy P., you're up, then we'll open it up for more shares. Hi, thanks for letting me share. Let me just start my timer. Um, so, yeah, everybody's been talking about these um, these upheavals, and I... My experience with all of this, um, all of my recovery was sort of like what uh, Kim G was saying, slogging through or sludge. You know, I sort of had to walk through all this, and it was not sudden. These, the, the, my old ideas were not suddenly cast to one side at all, I might add. You know, and I spent a lot of time thinking, you know, oh, this is never going to work, never going to work. And then I finally had to confess to my sponsor my terrible secret that I didn't think it was going to work because I didn't know that I believed in God and and um, I didn't think I did. And and she said, well, you, don't, you haven't had a spiritual awakening yet, so don't worry about it. And, you know, um, that released me from the need to be, um, to do it right now. Uh, to do it suddenly because it just wasn't going to work for that that way for me. I I don't think I've done anything suddenly ever in my life except binge, you know. And um, you know, I'm I'm a slow and steady wins the race kind of a person. I'm not a, a hop to it kind of a person. And um, you know, I love the line in the doctor's opinion about how um, they say this attitude, this um, idea of the allergy interests us because it explains things that we otherwise can for which we can otherwise not account and my whole um coming to believe mindset happened so gradually because I had to think about it you know when I think about it, I tell my sponsors this all the time whenever you consider all of the facts and you discount the impossible whatever's left however improbable must be the truth and I had to think about that for a long time I had to think well you know what's impossible well, a fairy with fairy dust or, you know, did somebody um, tie me down and um, shove food down my throat? Or, you know, did I go to a secret gulag where they told me that um, all these lies about, um, you know, my character defects? No, none of that. All of that is not true. It's impossible. So, um, you know, to get this um, big upheaval, this pheno- to have this phenomenon occur in me, this marvelous, amazing um, occurrence, what does it say? Marvel, sensation, wonder, prodigy, miracle, rarity, curiosity, spectacle. Um, to have that happen to me had to happen over gradually over time. So it wasn't sudden for me, but at the same time, I did get there. And, um, you know, today I don't have, um, I don't have those, you know, I live in the solution. I don't live in the problem. And, um, you know, somebody else was saying that, you know, we continue to learn. It has to be, oops, let me just finish up. Um, we, I continue to learn, and I work on it every single day. And, and just yesterday and the day before, I realized that a couple of things were kind of getting more slippery. And so, you know, my work is cut out for me. But I do have a solution, and today I live in it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, so if you've just joined us, we're on page 27 in the chapter, There's a Solution. Reading the third paragraph, he said to the doctor, is there no exception? And also the next paragraph. So who would like to share? Amy G. from Maryland. Amy G. 
Ginger C. Ginger C. Darian K. Darian K. We can take a few more. Sally A. Anita J. Sally A. Anita Leia A. M. Leia M. Okay, let's stop there. Okay, Amy G, Ginger C, Darian K, Sally A, Anita L, and Leah M. Go ahead, please, Amy. Thank you, Katie, and thank you, everyone, for an awesome meeting. My name is Amy G. I'm a compulsive overeater from Maryland. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once guiding forces of the lives of men, are suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. Uh, for me, it talks about it on page 53, when we became alcoholics crushed by a self-imposed crisis. Well, why was I willing to suddenly cast everything to one side? Because I was crushed by a self-imposed crisis of my compulsive overeating that was killing me. My guiding forces prior to the program were the holy, worshiping at the holy altar of me, myself, and I, and believing in the in attitudes and beliefs that were killing me of pride, power, popularity, prestige, you know, money, all of these things that were all self-centered and narcissistic. And what was it getting me? I mean, what was it getting me? Let's, let's talk about that. On page uh, 52, I was having trouble with personal relationships. I couldn't control my emotional nature. I was prey to misery and, and depression. I couldn't make a living. I was full of fear. I'm happy. I couldn't be of help to anyone. I mean, I don't know about you all, but my, my first spiritual experience was that of myself and of myself alone, I could not heal myself of this compulsive overeating. And Lord knows I tried, and we talked about it in the last couple of paragraphs, about knowledge, about thinking that if we had the knowledge, if I had the knowledge, I could fix myself. I spent almost five years in Overeaters Anonymous trying to fix it my way. And suddenly I was willing to cast it aside because I knew I was hopeless. And that's what's being reinforced here, paragraph after paragraph, putting the nail in the coffin, or what is it, slamming the door of hell with a claim. Because of myself, I could not heal my, I could not heal myself. I mean, we're going to get to the end of this paragraph, and there's an asterisk, and it's going to say, you know, there's more than just the sudden varieties. But for me, the only thing that was sudden, because my spiritual awakening was a gradual type, but was sudden for me was finally being at this self-imposed crisis to say, am I going to work this program as it's laid out? Am I going to look to someone in whom the problem has been solved, a recovered sponsor, and put my thinking aside and my will aside, my thinking aside, and my what I thought was wisdom aside and what I thought I knew, and work this program as it's laid out by working the 12 steps in, 12 steps in totality? One of the things that saved me here in this sentence is this completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. I didn't understand what, what needed to be rearranged in me. I wasn't even close. I just needed to admit my powerlessness and take action instead of thinking I knew what I knew to finally look to someone else to guide me because of myself, I was going to die of this disease. But the begin word means I was going to start on a process and I was going to follow those instructions and I was going to take those actions. And if anything, I wasn't going to think I was just going to do. Thanks. And with that, I will pass.
Thank you, Amy. <clears throat> Ginger C., it's your turn, followed by Darian K. Hi, good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your service. This is Ginger C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And these ideas, these emotions and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men and women, are suddenly cast to one side. And this completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. And these motives, you know, I really think about that because a lot of my 10 steps could probably be eliminated had I checked in with my motives. Was it God alignment or was it Ginger taking the wheel back from God? But it's unbelievable, this work. And, you know, if you haven't gotten there, just keep doing the work because step 10 tells me it happens automatically. I don't have to worry about this. I just need to do this practical program of action each and every day. I have to keep moving a muscle. But my experience is, is that I was surrendered. I was completely out of ideas, and I was willing to go to any length, no matter what, for this new way of life. And I'm so grateful I have not stopped since I started. I can't afford to go back to that bite, that great lie. I don't think I'll get back. But these new motives that dominate them when disturbances and these work relations go south, I get to practice love and tolerance and patience. I don't have to go room to room and gossip about the person that I'm feeling disturbed about. That's amazing. And then I get to welcome that disturbance and see that God's helping me to grow yet again. Because I fall asleep all the time, and this is how I stay awake and stay willing again to be in this new way of living. But most importantly, I get to be doing this maximum service because God, we're the boots on the ground. We're the flesh that get to do this to show up because so many are still knee-deep in the food and they have no idea that there's a way out. So I just, um, you know, just with Mother's Day not too long ago, I went up to an abbey for the evening, and when I came back, I had written postcards to my family, you know, their uppermost happiness in my mind, not about Ginger, her plans, her designs, what's going to make me happy in my Mother's Day. Don't you know that's what it was always about? Buy me this, buy me that, make me happy. And I got to sit and have a family dinner and then share these beautiful words off these cards. And tell each of them how much I love them, how much I appreciate them, what a gift it is that I get to be their mother. So it's like 102. You know, these directions are just throughout this book. That's why we're so fortunate with Vision for You to stay in it because I know exactly where to go. Page 102, think about what you can bring to the occasion, Mother's Day, your, even your own birthday. It's no longer your show, that third step. You gave it to God. Time. And again, what are you going to do with it today? And I, with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, um, Darian K., you're up, followed by Sally A. Hi there. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's Darian K. I'm in the Berkshires of Massachusetts. I'm a recovered compulsive reader. And um so grateful to be on the line, as always. And um, no, I, I really liked how, and I appreciate you sort of bringing everything to its basic, smallest black and white. Because I am so, I see things in gray, and I just don't understand them sometimes. And so um, all those um, takeaways about change, 
um, it just it feels like that is what life is all about and um, and what we can count on um, nothing stays the same and I I learned that hard lesson I don't know why every couple I don't know just often often it comes up often I just forget about it and then boom comes up again and um, and so that's that was the key to you know coming to this program. Um, I needed to change. Um, I needed something definitely way different than those diets um, that you know we had available to us, and the food plans, you know, and 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 the different things we could do with the foods and whatever. Um, that that just did not work for me at all. And so I needed something different, and this program was something different. And um, and that's why it worked. And um, you know, I, I've been in the program a long time, and I'm just so grateful. And I feel as excited about it today as I did in 1986. And that, to me, in itself, is a miracle because I was never excited about doing anything that was good for me. Um, and so, um, yeah, just change and really sticking to really the, the heart of the program, you know, and working with others, of course, giving this away because I have been given such a gift and a miracle on a daily basis that it is, it, I cannot keep it for myself only. Um, I have to give it away and, you know, and I do freely and, and lovingly and, and thank you all so much. There's four, over 400 people on this line. Thank you, every one of you, for being out there for me. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Darian. Okay, Sally A, you're up, followed by Anita J. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Sally A from New Jersey. Thank you for such a gorgeous meeting, such beautiful shares, such a beautiful passage we're reading in the big book right now. I'm happy to report I'm back on track for a few weeks now, and um, it's amazing. It's like the, I turn into the Incredible Hulk when I when I relapse, and then I turn back to Bruce Banner when I'm in recovery. <laughs> But I want to stay here, and I know now what I didn't know then, which is I have to practice a spiritual way of living every moment as, as, as I can remember. You know, my religion of origin, the word for human being is actually the one who forgets, because I forget that I'm from God. I forget that I'm a creation of God and that I... I need to go back to that origin of my spirituality. You know, I too am a therapist like the other people that have shared here. And I always, you know, used to be in my head, scientific, you know, theories and, you know, uh, therapy and, and uh, rationalizations and trying to um, intellectualize this disease for years. And, you know, I didn't realize that it, it says it in this book that, you know, there was a change of attitude because of spirituality, not because of therapy, not because of psychology, but because of spirituality. And it's always been there in my life, but I just never hooked onto it because the food was so much easier and so much more convenient and so much more delicious. You know what I'm saying? But it's like when I turn to God now, it's like nothing I've ever experienced, really. And I, I don't want to jinx it because, you know, I don't want to lose this, but I know I need to share it. And, um, you know, I was just walking my dog this morning and to appreciate the beauty of this world and this, you know, that we're in the spring, 
just the, the absolute awe of God's creations around me, um, things that I never, I took for granted in the past. <clears throat> and what I was doing with the food was just quelling, quelling, quelling all my feelings. And, and it's okay to feel, you know what I'm saying? But it's what I was doing, you know, it was what I was damaging the, the creation that I am. Um, in hopes that I would be helping myself, but I was really hurting myself. And, you know, it took a lot to get to that simple realization. You know, as an addict, I didn't get it. So thank you so much. All of you are my teachers and God on skin and God bless everyone. And have a beautiful day. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Sally. Anita J, you're up, followed by Leah M. Thank you so much. This is Anita J. Gratefully recovered out in Massachusetts. Uh, in my book, there it is in the margin. Change, 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 change. Um, can you have a sudden huge emotional rearrangement within you when you've been in? Could that happen in June of 2014? Suddenly after you've been in since May of 1978? Question mark. Well, it happened, and it was sudden. I had, up until then, spiritual connections. I had the first one after a year. Oh, I didn't press the timer. And um, uh, that happened after a year. I thought that was it. No, no, no. That's like meeting someone and never meeting them again and expecting that that's going to turn into a wonderful relationship. Of course it isn't. I never gave him a chance to really say much. Every once in a while, yes, once in a while, once he said to me, um, you're not using all your abilities. That was one. Different things like that. Once it was just get up. Get up and make the bed. Get up and do the dishes. Things like that. But did I ever have this change, change, change? I did. And that, the way I've always described it was I felt as if I had done a giant turnaround on the whole world. I saw everything different, including myself. I was there amongst us all. As it says, shoulder to shoulder. I was never shoulder to shoulder. You were either standing on my shoulders or I was trying to get up on yours. I didn't understand. I didn't understand any of it. Please stick around, everybody. You know, it is fantastic feeling. These last five plus years have been unbelievable. I want that for everybody, but that's not enough. Everybody has to put themselves in the lineup to be able to get this. But then it comes. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita. You had 20 seconds to spare. Okay, Leah M., you're up. Thank you very much. You know, one of the strange things about compulsive overeating is that even though it's a fatal disease and uh, progressive, 
it's possible to come out of it in better shape than when you first realized you had it. At least that's true for me. And what has made that possible is the spiritual experience, the spiritual awakening that we're talking about today that's talked about in the big book. Because compulsive overeating, I had come to learn through those in whom the problem had been solved, was a unique disease beyond the physical. Uh, A spiritual experience was going to be the only thing that was going to allow me uh, to overcome it. And, you know, the text says that to get over compulsive overeating will require a transformation of thought and attitude. I was no vision for you when I showed up here in Overeaters Anonymous in 1982. I had no tools for living. Um, I, uh, you know, was eating myself to death with a, a fork and a knife. My sponsor used to tell me, Leia, it's not the things that you don't know. That's the problem. It's the things you know for sure that's killing you. You know, it wasn't just compulsive overeating that was enslaving me. It was my core belief systems. It was the outlook on life that I had, the prism through which I saw all my relationships, my philosophy of life, and my attitudes, even at such a young, young age. Um, You know, that spiritual sludge that had developed uh, over the course of time because of my thinking. My thinking was the greatest obstacle to a better life for someone like me. That spiritual sludge of fear and dishonesty and self-centeredness and resentments were clogging the channel to God that resided deep down within me. And I did not understand that. I did not realize that until someone taught me all about that and took me through these very steps. You know, we celebrate abstinence dates, and that's exciting to do so, of course. But I would like to, I I wish I knew the day that the resentment towards my father diminished and left me. I don't know that day. I wish I knew the day that I no longer raged, no longer raised my voice, no longer had to cut you with my tongue in order to feel superior. I wish I knew that day. That would be a day to celebrate. Because I've been changed internally. I am not the same person I used to be. I used to be dominated by my emotions and a self-centeredness that took me and everyone who loved me on a roller coaster ride. Today I realize feelings are a trap in the spiritual life. I have to be directed by something higher than my thinking. And that is a relationship with God that has restored me to sanity. And that is the foundation of my life and through which I have to view my life and all that goes on within it. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Okay, we have time for uh, two more shares, if um, you would like to. We're on page 27, third and fourth paragraph. Two people. We have five minutes. Mm-hmm. But... Hi, this is Margie. Yeah. Okay, Margie, I got you, but Sue B. Sue B. Okay, I have Sue B. and Margie. I don't know your initial. Um, so we have five minutes. If you all, or actually, now we only have four. So if you could each share for two minutes, that would be great. Sue B., go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service and thank you for the shares. Unfortunately, I didn't start the meeting until 7.30, but I know I can listen to it later again, the beginning of the meeting. But, of course, I've read the paragraph, and and um, I just see 
uh, in the in the margin of my of my book, all these uh, little notes that other people have um, gotten me to understand, and this huge emotional displacement and rearrangements and just changing the changes that I needed to make because I was a compulsive overeater and I was emotionally really distraught. And I had to change my spirituality um, because I was religious. I wasn't spiritual. And this program has given me the greatest gift of understanding spirituality. And I still read my Bible. I still, this new book is my big book. It's my second Bible because it is, it has helped me so much. Um, and this morning in my devotions, uh, I read, um, it, I read, oh, if I could, I'm just not really good remembering that exact words, but it doesn't matter. It's the concept that um, my food is to do the will of God who sent me. And to do God's will has was always a chore for me. It was hard because I wanted my will, not God's will. And I wanted the food because it calmed me. And I was a very um, anxious person, a child, especially as a child, because of experiences that I had, Um, my mother dying, sexual abuse, all those things that that make you. But thank you so much for letting me share and helping me to understand um, so much that I didn't understand before. God bless you all. Thank you. Okay, Margie, you're up. Yeah, it's Margie, but it's Margo. I'm sorry. Margo with P, and um, I'm glad to be on the call. And my sponsor kept telling me, are you getting on this call? And I said, yes, I'm, so I'm trying to do the best I can. And thank you, everybody, because I have to learn about me, and I have to change about me and learn about the big book. And I'm grateful to have her. And I'm trying to understand the big book, the big book. So I like the part where I heard people share about the phenomena under the disease and and how dominant I was and beginning to allow me to see that I need to change. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, and I'll pass. Okay, well, we have about 30 seconds if someone wants to share something. Otherwise, I think we'll just uh, close up shop here. So thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Um, please. Okay, go ahead, please, for 30 Hi. seconds. Hi, I just wanted to thank you all. You have helped me so much today. Um, and I'm just so grateful. Um, um, words do not express it. Thank you. Well, thank you for that. Okay, so thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. 
And the share ID for today, Monday, Tuesday, May 21st, is 12935. That's 12,935. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Jason K. please read a vision for you? Good morning, Mrs. Jason K. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the world of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.